0: Before I go there, I want you to go to Genesis 15. Genesis 15th chapter. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto. Abram in a vision. Now, this is Abram. This is before his name became Abraham. So, this is early in his life. And God's dealing with him. This is at least 4,000 years ago. You get that? 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before Christ. Now, he says to Abram, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Now, there's another Eliezer way on in Samuel, but this is Eliezer. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Now, here's what's going on Abram is a Gentile. He and his wife, Sarai, was before she's called Sarah, they're from Ur of the Chaldees. They're Chaldean, they're not Jews. There are no Jews in existence at this time. That needs to be understood. And God's dealing with Abram, a Gentile. And he promises Abram a long line uh, of inheritance, a, a heritage. And yet Abram says, I don't have any children. How can I have a lineage after me? And I'm an old man, my wife's an old woman. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, verse 4, This shall not be thine heir, that Eliezer, the servant in his house. But forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir, You're going to have a natural born child from you and your wife. They're old. And he brought him forth abroad, That his God brought Abram and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Lots of stars. And the answer to that question is, Abram could not tell the number of the stars. All of the scientists today, all put together with all of their computers and everything else that they have, they still cannot tell the stars. All they do is guesstimate. And they don't know. They want you to think that you, they know. But they don't know. Anyway. So Abram believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. Now this. Abram has not been circumcised. He's still a Gentile. Abram's salvation did not depend on circumcision. God declared it to him for righteousness. He believed God and he declared it to him, counted it to him for righteousness. We need to receive this. This, It's never changed. It hadn't changed from Adam and it still hadn't changed. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Now I want you to understand, that is not a spiritual land that God's talking about. Right. It is a real dirt, sand, rock, tree, grass, land. Amen. Hey, you predators, it's not spiritual land. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? He wanted a proviso over here. He said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old. Now some of you kids don't know what a heifer is. That's a young female cow that's never had a calf. and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Now, that's not a turtle. A turtle dove is a dove and a young pigeon. Now, these are all animals for sacrifice. Now, 500 years later, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, And God gives him all the offerings. Had all these animals. Hadn't changed. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided him not. They weren't big enough to do that. So he lays out the sacrifice just like it's supposed to be. Obviously, God had already taught him how to do it. And when the fowls came, now they're not good. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Well, those fowls, just like those fowls that got in that big mustard tree, they all represent evil and bad stuff, because there's going to pick away, buzzards is going to pick away at the sacrifices. And all those things weren't laid out there for the buzzards. It was laid out for God. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now I don't know exactly what Abram experienced right there. I can imagine. And he said unto him. Abram know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now understand, he's talking about the Jewish nation that ends up in Egypt and that ends up in hard bondage by African slavery. The Egyptian Africans Put them in slavery. This is before there's ever any a nation of Israel. It doesn't exist right now. And yet God's already telling them what's going to happen to them. Even 400, 500 years down the road. Talk about what about prophecy? Well, here's some. And so also that that nation whom they shall serve, will I judge? Did he judge Egypt and the Pharaoh? Amen. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, it wasn't an accident the Pharaoh got there. The Bible said God raised him up on purpose that he might show his power in him. Amen. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And I believe the term is this, when they came out, they borrowed (laughs) from the Egyptians. So where'd they get all that gold and silver and brass and, and all the skins and lumber and all that? Where'd they get all that they borrowed from the Egyptians? Anyway, and he said, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. He was 175 when he died. I'd call that a good old age. (laughs) Anyway. But in the fourth generation. They shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites. Is not yet full. We preached on that not long ago. Well. God knows what's happening. Because God's ordained. What's happening. So anyway. And it came to pass. That when the sun went down. And it was dark. Behold. Behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. That is, uh, those animals on the sacrifice have been cut up and the birds laying there and that smoking furnace passed between. And I consumed them. And all those sacrifices are becoming a smell of a sweet savor, a savor in the nostrils of God. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, that's the Nile River, unto the great river, the U- river Euphrates, that runs smack right in the middle of Iraq. The Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites. And the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. All Oh, that's, that's who lived there. Yeah. And they're on their way out. That's what God said. Now, this is the, ba- this is the boundaries of Israel. From the river Euphrates to the river Nile and all in between. Now, right in our capital, Washington, D.C., you've got a bunch of, of, of illegal aliens, Muslims, and idiotic Americans. Totally idiots up there demonstrating against Israel. Against the Jews now listen what happened over there Israel is in their land the nation of Israel now these these preterists that say there are no Jews they've done the same thing theologically ideologically that the Islam is trying to do that is to wipe the Israelites off well the per, the, the uh, preterist, and their, and their ideas, they've already wiped them out. Said the oh, Jews ceased to be in 70 AD. You're making a liar out of God. I don't like people like that. Amen. You can tell them I said so if you know one of them. Anyway. October the 7th, in Gaza, that's, that's old Samson's old stomping grounds. That they have, the Jews, the Israelis turned that over to the Palestinians. It was in 88 or something, about like that. Because of the politicians from the United States and Europe putting pressure on them. Oh, you've got to make way for the Palestinians. And so they gave them back Gaza. And since then, it has become a terrorist stronghold. And that's where all of these rockets, I mean, thousands of rockets, they've shot into Israel, killed I don't know how many Israel, Israelites. Now you got old Biden and that old, uh, you know, Winking, blinking, and nod. You know, blinking, that secretary said, oh, we just want to pause. When old Mike Tyson was at his best, tough dude. Here I go, I walk up behind him, I say, hey, Mike, boom, I sucker punch him. What do you reckon would happen He'd beat the tire out of me. Hey, get him off of me. Are you going to kill me? That's exactly what what the Palestinians are claiming now. If they ain't shooting, the Israelis are not shooting. If they're not not warned, the Israelis are not warned. They're peaceful. And they do everything they can to stop it. Yes, they are the descendants of Abraham. Yes, they are the descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel, of Jacob. Anyway, this ain't a spiritual promise, it's a physical promise. And God is the covenant keeping God. I don't care what the preterists say, just because it's daggone, uh, Jesuit priests back in the 16th century started that garbage and they picked it up. I believe what the Bible says, not what he says. Anyway, I want you to kind of know what's going on over there, and it ain't slowing down. The Israelite, the Israeli, the uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, they ain't quitting. They open that can of worms, and they're going to shut it by wiping them out, and that's what they need to do. But who are these idiots in downtown Lexington? where these people come from? They don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, that all didn't cost you a nickel extra. That's just thrown in. If you got questions or comments about that, I'll listen to you. If I know, I'll let you know. If I don't, I'll let you know. Let's go to Romans, the fifth chapter. Now I think the last time I was here was 07. That would be sixteen years ago. Don't tell me you remember it, because I don't think you do. I'll call Miss Tiny and ask her. Huh? I'll call Miss Tiny and ask her. <laughs> Verse 1, chapter 5 of Romans. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Then he goes on, I hate to stop right here, but what a theology book here. (laughs) The theology of Romans by the Apostle Paul is without equal. There are none to match. And to understand Paul's teaching on salvation alone would do away with most denominations. Seriously. If you understand what Paul's teaching about salvation, it would do away with most denominations of so-called Christians. And because of that, we can see a concerted effort to move away from simple exposition and allegiance to the King James Version. That's why they're doing their dead level best to get rid of the King James and get all of their versions in this so-called ESV that they brag about. Didn't you say you called a hand on that? And it doesn't. It doesn't say what what the scriptures say. Uh, anyway I've never seen never used one don't you know what I don't want is another translation of scripture I don't need one don't want one it's not on my bucket list I don't care how many they come up with I've got the word of God right here and that's all I want I'm not even exploring them because I know what I've got anyway he says therefore Old Brother Paul Kirkman, he's the first one I ever say, heard say that. When you see therefore in the scriptures, see what it's there for. <laughs> Brilliant man he was, he's gone to be with the Lord. It's a particle that connects the following statements with the preceding statements. Now here we are at Romans 5 1. We've already come. To get here, we had to come through chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. And the things contained in those four chapters bring forth, therefore. Because of all of that, therefore. Well, real quick. Look at Romans 3.23. Oh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hmm. We'd have to call that total depravity, wouldn't we? Amen. Well, you know, that that offends a lot of people. It offends a whole lot of church people. David said, I came forth from my mother's womb speaking lies. That's a little baby. You mean depravity includes babies? Absolutely it does. You don't have to teach baby to do wrong. They learn that naturally because they've got a depraved nature. So, there we have, therefore, because of the doctrine of total depravity, Amen. or as old Wilbur Johnson used to say, teetotal depravity. <laughs> and look at verse 24 of that same chapter. Where am I? Here we go. I love this one. Being justified freely. That doesn't mean cheap. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That's not propitiation. It's propitiation. Through faith in his blood. To declare. His righteousness. For the remission of sins. That are pious through the forbearance of God. To declare I say at this time. His righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier. Of him which believeth in Jesus. Now notice how all those. Big words. But they all come right back to. Believeth in Jesus. Amen. Yeah. For everybody here. You need to understand. It all comes back. To him or to her. That believeth on Jesus. On or in. Believeth in Jesus. Amen. That's where it all. Boils down to. Now. That would be. The doctrine of. Particular redemption. We call it in the doctrines of grace limited atonement. But I like this and better. Particular redemption. Well you've got a whole religious world telling everybody that God just loves everybody. And God just wants everybody to be saved. And he's done everything that he can. And it's all left up to you. But that's not what the Bible teaches. We believe the doctrine of particular redemption. Now, particular just means particular. Uh, If I have five bottles and I pick this one and I keep picking this one, that's particular bottle picking. I'm picking a particular one. One. And that's it. I'm not picking the others. I'm picking one. Well, particular redemption, now redemption is the work of Jesus Christ, especially on the cross, redeeming, buying back his people from their sins, paying the price to God Almighty and his justice. And so particular redemption is that he redeems his people. Amen. Well, That's going to put a lot of people out of business. It really is. And then look at chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, blessed is the man. Now that word blessed, makarios, in the Greek means blessed. Happy but not giddy happy. From the inside out. Blessed is the man. <laughs> to whom. The Lord will not impute. Sin. Now, look, what, look what he's telling us here. There are some. That the Lord will not impute. Their sins to them. The word impute means charge to them. What a blessed position to be in. Though I am as filthy a sinner, hell bound, hell deserving sinner as ever was. He will not charge to me my sins because of the particular redemption of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey. What a blessing. Amen. You can die on that one brother. <laughs> you can lay down close your eyes. And, and leave this old world on that one. <laughs> and it won't be no tears shed for me. And then we look at. Uh, verse 3 of that chapter. For what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God. Now we read that in Genesis fifteen. That would let you know that the Apostle Paul had the utmost confidence in the veracity of Genesis. You got a whole bunch of so-called Christians that deny Genesis. Paul did not deny Genesis. Paul as well as Jesus Christ and all the others received Genesis as the inspired verbatim word of God. Abraham believed God. There we go back to the faith again. (laughs) We We can all handle that Abraham believed God. There's nothing far-fetched about that, folks. Nothing so difficult. Abraham believed God. And uh, what happened? Now, it was counted by whom? God, Amen. unto him for righteousness. Amen. Well, so far we've had, <laughs> therefore, looking back to total depravity, <laughs> that affects us all, particular redemption, <laughs> imputation of sin, Oh. Hmm. imputation of righteousness then look at verse 24 and 25 of chapter 4 verse 24 but for us also to whom it shall be imputed charge 2 if now here we go again we believe on him That raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered for or because of our offenses, our sins. And was raised again for our justification. Now we're justified by faith. That verse says, so, but let me explain this to you again. We are justified by faith. Our faith is justified by the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, nobody else has got that. Muslims don't have that. Yeah, old Mohammed. He did. He did. He'd been dead a long time. He ain't never rose. Gautama, Buddha, he'd been dead for a long time. Do you know Buddha didn't even believe in God, but they made a God out of him after he died? How ridiculous. Anyway <clears throat> the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the proof of our faith our redemption all right therefore being justified that's back at chapter 5 verse 1 we don't have any new doctrines here it's all true for Abraham 4,000 years ago and it's true for us today Being justified. Just to be justified. That's not something God does in us. That's something that God does. That's a legal term. That God does at the throne of grace. He says it is God that justifieth. Therefore, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody else justifies us. And There's a lot of people that would try to unjustify you. Satan being the chief one. But God has justified his people. And they can't be unjustified. It's not a change in us, but in God's relationship to us and our relationship to Him. If you've been justified, how can you be justified? By faith in Christ Jesus, and God declared you to be just as if you had never sinned because He charged imputed all of your sins to Jesus Christ? And imputed Jesus Christ. Righteousness to you. And paid your sin debt. Amen. Therefore being justified. By faith. Being justified. Not going to get into all these. Terminologies but. By the. Verb tenses here is passive, means we were acted upon. Passive, you ain't doing nothing, somebody else doing something. Aorist, completed action. Participle, verbal. Therefore, being justified. I didn't justify myself being justified by God. And it's a past completed action. And I'm passive in that. God's very active in that, but I'm passive. Had nothing to do with it. God did this work to and for us. Now, look at chapter 10 of Romans. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, it is absolutely fact that the Jews, the Israelis, are not saved because they're Jews. God's covenant, God's promise is to the nation of Israel and no Jew goes to heaven because it's a Jew. But God's promise is that that was His nation and He was going to preserve it. What He's done that. Israel is a nation after 1948 hadn't been ever since seventy AD. God is gathering, has gathered, and will continue to gather those Jews. Now that doesn't mean they're saved. They're not saved. Somebody put a picture of gold in my ear up on the Facebook the other day and I put a uh, put a caption there, a uh, word. Great woman. She's the uh, still probably has no idea how God used her in the establishment of re of the nation of Israel. She came from Wisconsin, went back to Israel when they got back there after the Holocaust. And she became a prime minister and she was used greatly. I don't think many people realize how great a woman she was. I don't think she's a saved woman. I don't think she knew anything about the God of the Bible. I think she knew a lot about Jews, about uh, Israel, but but she didn't know anything about that. And this is what Paul is saying right here. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, he's talking about his own nation, Being ignorant of God's righteousness. They think they know it's all by the law. They don't know what the law is. They they think they keep the law. But they don't keep the law. Paul said he tried and couldn't do it. And going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's where. Well, actually, that's where all of the religious world is. As well as the Jews are. They're all going about trying to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. Why is Christ the end of the law? Because he kept the law. Every jot and tittle. He fulfilled the law. In his flesh. Son of man did that. But the world as well as the the Jews. Going about. Well I ain't that bad. You hear them say that. You, You say I'm dying going to hell. I ain't that bad. You can hear that a thousand times every day. What right do you have to tell me I'm dying and going to hell? If you're not in Christ, you're dying and going to hell. Amen. I'm not happy about that, but those are the facts. And you might hate me now for telling you that, uh, but I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll realize how true that is as soon as you die. Well. I am not trying To be justified. My justification is a past completed action by the sovereign God. It's one complete action performed by God. In chapter 8 verse 33, I think I've already read that. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now what he's talking about is sin. Who you think you are? Tell me you're saved, you're going to heaven. You ain't no better than nobody else and you're absolutely right. But God has justified me in Christ. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies, and that's all that matters. The imputing of perfect righteousness, where to get the perfect righteousness, earned by Jesus Christ in his public ministry. Obeying the law every jot and tittle. The actual pardon of all, well, see, back in chapter 3, sins that are past. See, here's the problem. You hear people say, well, if you, if, if you believe now, then you gotta, you got to obey the law from now on out. What are you going to do about all that past? I mean, when you came forth from your mother's womb speaking lies, what David said, I didn't say it. Mm -hmm. And from that time forward, here I am, 45, and I just said, I'm going to trust the Lord now. But what are you going to do about all that past? We've all got a past. When Jesus Christ died on the cross... He paid for all of my sins, past, present, and future. Amen. Well, how could he know the future? Well, he knew my past. Amen. And it was all in the future when he ordained that. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, the actual pardon of all past sins, the virtual pardon of all future sins. So, won't you do something? Can't you do something that he's not prepared for? Not God. <laughs> and then I've got the grant and title to the heavenly inheritance. Justified by faith. Saving faith, the gift of God. But now listen to this that faith must be understood. To include its object. Amen. See, here's faith going out. Is it just shooting out to the stars? That faith has got to land on something. Right. If you understand where I'm going here, all oh, you gotta have that faith. I've heard, I heard a lot of Southern Baptists talking like this. Ah. Oh, yeah, you gotta have that faith. They had no idea what they were talking about. You gotta have that faith. What are you talking about? You gotta have the yeah. You just gotta have that faith. Well, that's what psychiatrists say. The faith they're talking about is the faith that you take another step, and the floor is not going to cave in. That's the kind of faith they're talking about. We ain't talking that kind of faith. Saving faith has got to include its object. And what is the object of saving faith? It is the person and the completed work of redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he's not the object, his work, his person, who is he? He's the God-man, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. He earned perfect righteousness. He went to the cross and He paid the complete sin debt to the justice of Almighty God. If that's not the Jesus you're talking about, you've got no salvation. Amen. So when we talk about saving faith, don't forget that it must include The object of that saving faith. Well, abstract faith does not save anybody. And that's the kind of faith that the psychiatrists talk about. And you better be careful. Some preachers talk about that kind of faith. Just faith. You just got to have faith. You better off to have faith. Well, I don't know whether you are or not. What about the heathen woman in the jungles? She's got two babies. One of them sick, and the witch doctor tells her, you've got to sacrifice that well, the healthy baby to the gods of the crocodiles to save the sick baby. And she throws that well baby to the crocodiles. I'm going to say she had quite a bit of faith. But it sure wasn't the wrong one, the wrong thing. Yeah. So abstract faith doesn't save anybody. Abstract, I mean, it doesn't have any substance at all, just there. Abstract faith is not faith at all. Anyway, and it's not just believing about him as existing, but believing on him as a historical. Sinless, miracle-working, Son of God, who died for my sins, was buried and arose the third day. We're justified by faith, by faith in his blood. Chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And with all of that, we have peace with God. Amen. Now, there's an issue about the verb tense. We have peace. Pretty good evidence that that, that could be read. Let us have pay, peace. We don't affect our own peace. We've got it being justified by faith. Let us live in it. Let us enjoy that faith. Anyway, justification turns the wrath of God and brings peace. There's no middle ground between the wrath of God the peace of God. You either have peace with God because you've received peace from God, or else you are under the wrath of God. John 3:36 tells us exactly that. there's no middle ground. It's not peace with yourself and mankind, but peace with God that matters. Now we're getting the time of year, you going to hear them singing about peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Do you know where that exists? Do you know where peace on earth, goodwill to men? Uh, what country does that exist in? It certainly doesn't exist in this one. Where is that? Nowhere on this earth. That's not the peace and the goodwill that Jesus Christ brought to earth. He's talking about the peace with God. That's what he's talking about. And it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite a theology book there.